Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911 two man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Hey Paul, I'm cl- I'm glad I'm happy to say that uh, one of our our former partners here on Jesus 911, Ruben Nava, it looks like he's going to get hired as a chaplain for the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Uh, all I can tell you is Ruben is going to be a a wrecking machine for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's, that's that's a man on a mission right there. <clears throat> yep, Jess, uh, I I love guys like Ruben because uh, you know when he. Uh, was active as a, as a deputy uh, sergeant, uh, his men respected him because he, you know, he was a man's man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that's the kind of guy you need in that position. You know, if you're going to go out there and lead men, you, you have to first command respect. And he has that. Uh, and that's tempered with love of our Lord uh, and savior, Jesus Christ and our blessed mother. So yeah, he's going to be a wrecking machine. That's that. That's to put it lightly. <laughs> hey, I uh, just want to mention that today's the Feast of St. Paul in the, in the Nova Sordo calendar. Hey. St. Paul the Apostle, pray for us. Us, yes, yeah. yes. Just want to mention one thing about St. Paul before we go into today's topic about hell. Um St. Paul the Apostle, when you look at his life in the New Testament, he went through the, the three stages of the interior life as, as proclaimed by classic Catholicism. The three stages of the interior life are, first of all, is the purgative stage, number one, where somebody says, dang, I'm blowing it. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I got to change my life. Boom. You hit that wall. It's called the purgative stage. Second stage of St. Paul hit, and you see it in his life in the New Testament. He, he goes through the illuminative stage. He's blind for three days. He spends three years in the desert, just like a, a monastic, a monk, taking it all in. The illuminative stage is when the stage when you are now saying, Lord, teach me, teach me. Teach mm. me. You enter in just into a life of prayer and contemplation Humility. and reading. Yes, and, and you're teachable. You're teachable at that moment. Then St. Paul ended his life in a jail cell and he gave his life for Christ. He entered what's called the unitive stage. That's where you're so radically united to Jesus Christ at the very end of your life that you can say words like St. Paul said, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, mm. uh, he, he says words like, I no longer live, but, I, but, but Christ lives in me. And I live now by faith in the Son of God who died for me, Galatians 2.20. That's the unitive stage of Christianity when the soul is so detached from this world. You say like St. Thomas of Aquinas, you look at Jesus and say, all I want is you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah. uh, may we all be in that stage, Jess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, know. By the, you know, most of us, to be honest with you, most of us that had that conversion, that purgative stage, we know we're sinners, we need a savior. And when us, now we're starting to move towards God, towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Most of us for the rest of our life, we're in the illuminative stage, you know, learning, taking yeah. in, working on our prayer life. Right. 
But hopefully by the time we die, we're like, you know what? You just shed yourself of everything. Even, even, you know, even your wallet, your credit cards, everything. You say, all I want is you. That's the unitive yeah. stage. And that's the goal. That's the goal of the Christian yeah. life, Paul. Yes, in, indeed. And uh, yeah. like I said, may we all get there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, this article today by Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who's the greatest apologist, all things traditional Catholicism. He wrote an article. It's called, Whom Would You Trust About Hell? Our Lady or Pope Francis? Well-written article. And let's take it. Let's take a dive here. Me and Paul go back and forth on this. Um, he writes, Pope Francis hopes Jesus was wrong. Reads the headline of a 1 Peter 5 article on January 16th. By now, I am sure all my readers know that Francis, in an interview on January 14th, said the following, quote, This isn't dogma, just my thought. I like to think of hell as being empty. I hope it is, close quote. Let's not beat around the bush, writes Dr. Kwasniewski. This is a heretical thought and an impious hope because it runs directly against divine revelation as interpreted by the church as well as innumerable approved private revelations across the centuries. Here's my comment. I would just say the, the, the Holy Father should not have said that out loud. I'll tell you why, Paul. Because people are going to say, oh, again, when, when a pope speaks, that's, that's dogma. That's doctrine. That's, that's the, the teachings of the yeah. church. Uh, the, the, you know, you've heard that saying, Paul, some thoughts should just be kept within your mind. And, and don't say what you feel about your boss. Okay. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. Not, yeah. Don't say what you feel about your mother-in-law. Keep your mouth shut for the rest. Don't say it. Okay. And yeah. there's just some thoughts that should not be shared. What do you say, Paul? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Jess, now defenders, uh, of the of the pope here in, you know, in fairness pope planners, pope yeah planners. yeah they'll say well the bible does say you know love hopes all things believes all things he's just expressing his desire that you know the, you know for all to be saved and and on one level you can say okay if that's all that's being implied here is true then i guess there's nothing uh, necessarily wrong with that to 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 want to hope for the best but the Catholic Church has always been united with faith and reason, Jess. And and see, our faith has to be attached to reason. And that reason is rooted in sacred scripture, the word of God. And so uh there are like you like like the article points out, there are so many things about the faith. So many, uh, everything from Our Lady to the the saints over millennia, really that that teach us uh, a healthy and give us a healthy fear of hell, and that tell us just the opposite. That actually, there are, the road that leads to life is narrow. Jesus said, "And few there be that find it." But the road that leads to hell is wide, and many travel its path. Mm -hmm. yeah. Father Kwasniewski writes in this article, I will not be explaining why a hell populated with demons and sinful souls is something we know for certain to be real as revealed by God who can neither deceive nor be deceived or to whom and to whom we owe the obedience of faith. I have already defended traditional Catholic teaching on this subject in a number of articles and you can read them there. Incidentally, writes Dr. Kwasniewski, nowadays it seems to be popular, a, pop, a popular thought that anyone who speaks often about hell must be spiritually imbalanced or worse. 
quite apart from the wisdom of St. Thomas Aquinas, who says the following, quote, A mind that goes down to hell, often in life, meditating on it in order to avoid sin and repent of past sin, will not easily go down there in death, close quote. That's me. I think about hell yeah. often. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. me. Not often. I think about heaven and hell, but, I, you know, but I do think about them often, and not one without the other. It is worth pointing out that I have published even more on the glories of heaven. Want to pick it up there? They're all contradicting Queen of Heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Contradicting the Queen of Heaven. Uh, uh, okay, got it. Pope Francis's personal opinion broadcast to the confusion and misguidance of millions is obviously incompatible with not only the dogmatic teaching of the church as found in countless catechisms that bear witness to the infallible universal ordinary magisterium of bishops, but also, and this is my particular focus today, the content of the greatest Marian apparition of modern times and perhaps all times. Namely, Fatima. Namely, Fatima, our lady vouchsafe. Yeah. Did you get it? Yep. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. On July 13th, 1917, our lady vouchsafed to the three children of Fatima, a vision of hell. This is the content of the first secret. Our lady showed us a great sea of fire, which seems, which seemed to be under the earth. Plunged in the fire were demons and souls in human form, like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, floating about in the conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames that issued from within themselves together with great clouds of smoke, now falling back on every side like sparks in a huge fire mm. without weight or equilibrium. And amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fear. How can we ever be grateful enough to our kind Heavenly Mother, who had already prepared us by promising in the first apparition to take us to heaven? Otherwise, I think we would have died of fear and terror. <laughs> she then said to the three children, you have seen hell where the souls of the poor sinners go. On August 13th, 1917, Our Lady urged, pray, pray very much and make sacrifices for sinners for many souls go to hell because there are none to sacrifice themselves and pray for them. To Jacinta in 1919 and or 1920, Our Lady declared, more souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh than for any other reason. Wow, wow. Yeah. As I explain at greater length in one of the aforementioned articles, the Fatima vision of hell was not like a Hollywood horror film with special effects. Hold that thought there. Jesus 911, we're talking about uh, the doctrine of hell as per Our Lady of Fatima in light of Pope Francis's recent statement that he hopes hell is empty. Uh, we'll be right back. Stick around. Jesus 911. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Slow Patrol, Jesus 9112, my car, Justin, Paul. Paul, I can hear some people saying, hey, guys, uh, chill out, man. You guys are making a big thing out of nothing. This is, uh, Pope Francis yeah. is, is saying that he hopes nobody's in hell. I mean, don't you hope nobody's in hell? Uh, what would you respond to that, Paul? Yeah, Jess, um, we have to remember something about the, the Pope Francis and his position as the vicar of Christ here. This His whole pontificate, in my opinion, has been defined by ambiguity, uh, a lack of clarity. And so this is just one more heap of coal that's stoking the flames, Jess, uh, of uh, of confusion. And so more more than ever right now in, in, in the history of the church, we need clarity. We need somebody to, you know, put it, you know, put the pointer right on the point um, for lack of a better way of expressing that. And I and so in my opinion, I just think that uh, it's not majoring on a minor here. This is just one more uh, thing that brings about confusion because a lot of yeah. people are, you know, imagine if everybody grabbed onto that idea. Well, you know, uh, Pope Francis, you know, you know, he, he says he hopes hell is empty and I believe it will be too. That will, <clears throat> that will cause every person out there to justify everything that he does and not have a good, healthy fear of, of, of judgment of their particular judgment of, uh, yeah, of their particular judgment. And we all, we all should uh, meditate often on death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Your personal death, judgment, heaven, and hell. That's a good thing. That's how people become yeah. saints, is by, is by frequent meditation on that. We continue. It says, I think no yeah. sane person can deny the simple contradiction between Our Lady of Fatima, whose message aligns with that of divine revelation and church tradition, and the quasi-Balthasarian, uh, he's referring to Father von Balthasar, who was teaching back in the 60s, uh, dare we hope that that all men will be saved? He wrote a book on that. <clears throat> the quasi mm-hmm. the Father Balthazarian musings of uh, of Pope Francis. But we have an obligation to accept Marian apparitions like Fatima. He goes. I've been struck by two very different phenomena in the Catholic world. You can see this contrast almost daily on social media. On the one hand, there are people who seem altogether preoccupied with reported or purported Marian apparitions. Some of them entirely unapproved and frankly unapprovable or who take mm-hmm. approved apparitions and try to extrapolate an entire theology and spirituality out of them. He basically saying both are imbalanced. I believe mm-hmm. St. Louis de Montfort himself, no Marian slacker would say our lady is not well served by this kind of excessive or misplaced zeal. Mm. The Fatima message as important as it is, is not a complete theology or spirituality. It points to several fundamentals that we must not forget at any stage of our life, but it it was never intended, Fatima was never intended to supplant the church fathers and doctors, the great schools of spirituality, or above all, the traditional sacred liturgy. Let there be no mistaking what I am saying. Yes, we joyfully go to our Lord through Our Lady, the co-redemptrix. Yes, we rely altogether on her intercession as the mediatrix of all, of all graces. Yes, we ought to consecrate ourselves to her immaculate heart, 
Unquestionably, we should pray her rosary, wear her scapular, and do the first Saturday devotions. At the, all the same time, the Blessed Virgin would be the first to tell us that the point of all this is to become more and more preoccupied with her beloved Son. Abiding in the temple of his sacred heart, adoring and receiving him in the Holy Eucharist, lingering over the pages of his, of his inspired word, devoting ourselves to him in the liturgical rites he has bestowed on us in tradition, learning from the host of saints he has raised up to be our spiritual and theological guides. Do you want to pick it up there, Paul? Yeah, Jess, and I just wanted to make one quick comment. So so the, the title of this article, um, you know, when it says, who do you believe? Pope Francis or or Our Lady, I think that's almost a false comparison in in the sense. It, what it really should say something like is, who do you believe? Um, you know, two millennia of Catholic doctrine and teaching uh, embraced by the saints and Our Lady, or Pope Francis? <laughs> because yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. because because Our Lady. As you just uh, the uh, the author just reminded us, you know she's in agreement with sacred tradition. She's in agreement with the teaching of the Catholic faith. There's no disagreement there. Uh, the only problem is is when people tend to get off the reservation, so to speak, and start wandering into uh, the muck and the mire, into things that the Bible uh, has already clarified and spoken out against and, and offering their own opinion and this is what's going on in the church today this is uh i hate to say it but this is typical liberal this is modernism type. this is called yes. Mo theological modernism yes that yes. We, we've been warned Forget about that yeah yes yeah so theological let's continue modernism. back with the article yeah on the other hand however i have been greatly surprised not to say appalled to find catholics in all camps liberals for sure but also conservatives and even traditionalists who denigrate or dismiss major approved marian apparitions reducing them to remote accessories or devotional options for which those who like that sort of thing thus fatima lords guadalupe are placed by such people on the same level as a host of lesser apparitions and all are made nugatory and marginal. This too is gravely imbalanced because it falls to, it fails to appreciate the importance that both our Lord and his church attribute to the message of the major apparitions, which is God's message for mankind. Few people have to have the time or the calling to pursue to their utmost detail every credible or approved vision or location. Locution. But that is, yeah, locution, locution sorry. Yeah. But that is hardly the point. Everyone can and should pay heed, at least to the ones that have received the strongest approbation from the church and the most widespread response from the faithful. And in this category, Fatima reigns supreme. Uh, mm. Again, Jess, he's right on the mark when he when he brings these things up. Uh, if you're online, you see it all the time. You see, I mean, there's people having daily conversations with the Blessed Mother out there. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, uh, if you if you listen yep. to them, and it's almost like they're they're speaking for her, and that kind of thing. What it does is it, it detracts from the approved clear yes. miracles from heaven. That yeah, occurred. it makes us a laughing stock, Paul. It makes Catholics a laughing stock. Uh, yep. <clears throat> I I've even known this one uh, person who considered himself a mystic. He was at a conference and they're saying, oh, the mystic's going to be here. And the Blessed Mother's going to meet him here at 3 p.m. and give give us all a message. There's like 7,000 of us there. Yeah. yeah. Now, I didn't believe it for a yeah. sec. I was just one of the invited speakers. I'm like, what? Yeah. And yeah. I said, I can't. These people believe this? So the mystic was brought in and they said, uh, I said, so where are you guys going to put him at? They go, oh, we've got a room set up for him. It's an apparition room. And I said, what's going to happen? Uh, they said, the, our lady's going to appear to him at 3 p.m. She already told him that she's going to have a message for all of us here in Southern California. Oh, my goodness. Paul, Paul I, yeah. I'm looking and I'm saying to myself, am I the only one that felt, smells something fishy in Denmark? This is not the way Mary operates. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And then, but get this. Yeah. The no. mystic yeah. was there for about 15 minutes, gave a message. 7,000 people fell on their knees, swooned. They were crying. They were, there was euphoria. I'm, I'm like standing, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm saying, this is, this is so wrong on so many levels. Then they mm -hmm. took the mystic back into a black blazer with a bunch of bodyguards. Like if he was like, if he was like, you know, Biden or Trump, you the know, president. Yeah. yeah like he was the president. <laughs> And then I said, why, why? That was quick. He only came and, you know, he, the, you guys picked him up from the airport. He came, gave a message. And where's he going to now? They go, they, we, so we're in Orange County. There's about 7,000 people there. I said, where, where, where's the mystic going now? You know, I'm playing the game. Oh, they're taking him now to San Francisco because he's, uh, he's going to meet Our Lady at 8 p.m. at another conference over there. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen when he truly meets our lady one day <laughs> or she's standing there at his particular judgment yeah this um, mystic this mystic ended up you know most people that see our lady paul they end up going to seminary become nuns they become priests this mystic ended up i think marrying miss ohio um yeah <laughs> yeah who, who who uh who has plastic all over her body uh you know looks like a barbie doll i don't know after you see the blessed virgin mary I don't think you're going to be marrying, uh, you know, Wonder Woman right after that. That's not the first thing in your mind. Usually the first thing yeah. in your mind when you have an encounter with Mary, you go into the seminary and you give yourself as a priest. All right, let's continue. I'm getting off track here. Uh, I just, uh, I've seen too much. It says, we must accept and act upon private revelation directed to us. It is a, co it is a common place in many spiritual, dogmatic, and moral theology manuals that those to whom a prophecy or counsel is directed have an obligation to act upon it. Some modern priests and theologians, in contrast, basically dismiss such private revelation as mere optional. Who is right? Okay, this was written by uh, Pope Benedict when he was a young man, a young priest. He, he, in his treatise on beatifications and canonizations, he says this quote: "What is said to be, no, yeah, what is to be said of those to whom the revelations are directed? He to whom that private revelation is proposed and even announced ought to believe and obey the command." Or message of God if it be proposed to him on sufficient evidence for God speaks to him at least by means of another and therefore requires him to believe hence it is that he is bound to believe God who requires him to do so so what's Pope Benedict saying he's saying if God speaks to you in a private revelation guess what that's for you 
mm-hmm. if it if it comports with the, tr- the 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 sacred scriptures and the tradition of the church, follow it. Don't question it. Mm-hmm. And that's the message for you. Don't get on YouTube mm-hmm. and start saying God spoke to me. God spoke to me. Don't start a podcast. God spoke to me. No, that message is private for you. Yeah. God hey, spoke hey, to Jess. you and accept it as a grace. Period. Hey Jess, uh, I think that happened in the Bible where God a bunch of times to Saul of Tarsus on the road on the road to Damascus. Samuel, right? Samuel. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. God does uh, operate that way, but it's singular. Yeah. It's a singular yeah, message. What did pa- Jess, what did Paul do? Paul went to the desert for three years. <laughs> he didn't start a podcast and start calling himself a mystic, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So here's also what Pope ben- the young Pope Benedict says. He says, what is to be said of those to whom the revelations are directed? He to whom that private revelation is proposed and announced ought to believe and obey the command or message of God. Yeah, like Paul and uh, Saul of Tarsus and Samuel. If it be proposed to him on sufficient evidence for God speaks to him, Okay, I already read that. All right, we'll move to the next one. Jesus 911, two-man car. We'll be right back talking about uh, uh, private revelations and how we're supposed to interrelate with them. We'll be right back. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, two-man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. By the way, I, I blogged on the 19th of this month. If you go to my blog, uh, if you my, uh, my analysis, my assessment of Medjugorje. So I've never spoken about it publicly. Not even yeah, privately I have. I wrote a, I've written about it now. It's uh, it's on my blog. It's my view on Medjugorje. It's January nineteenth, my blog. But we'll continue with this uh, article here, Paul. Uh, Father Thomas Slatter, his Manual of Moral Theology. You can trust it. Be why it was written in nineteen twenty-five. Here's what he says: It is not heresy, though it is sinful to reject what is known to have been revealed by God in a private revelation. Did you get mm. that? That's for you. Mm-hmm. And a, a private revelations are for the person. You're not supposed to be saying, God spoke to me and this is what he said. And you're all supposed to do this unless God commands you like he told Jonah. Jonah specifically goes, go out to the Ninevites. Okay. That was that private revelation was supposed to be made public. And God will let you know when it's supposed to be made public. You got another gr- great moral theologian back in 1929. Father John McHugh, he says, heresies opposed to faith by faith. Here is understood divine faith, especially divine and Catholic faith. Hence, an error opposed to what one held to be a genuine private revelation or to the public revelation, especially when dogmatically defined by the church, is heretical. On the contrary, an error opposed to ecclesiastical faith alone, to human faith or to human science, is not of itself heretical. Examples, the saints who receive special private revelations from Christ with proofs of their genuineness would have been guilty of heresy had they refused to believe. Here's Father Francis Connell, 1952. All moral theologians, way pre-Vatican II moral theologians, he writes, a private revelation must be held by by those individuals for whom it is intended. However, no one is obliged to believe the statement of another that a private revelation has been made for him 
unless good assurance has been given that it is really from God. Usually, such assurance is given through is is given through evident miracles. Persons for whom the revelation is not intended, here it is, are not bound to accept it as a divine message, although they mm. would do wrong if they positively denied it or derided it when there is good evidence that it came from God. I'll give you an example. Mm. Garabandal and Medjugorje have not been approved by the church, okay? The church has mm-hmm. act, the church has actually said that nothing supernatural happened there. Uh, and so you can't go around and saying this is from God, this is from God. That's that's the point that this moral theologian is making. Now, Our Lady Guadalupe and Fatima, it has approbation, papal approbation. And the church just says, Yep, something supernatural happened there. The mother of God appeared. And so uh, since we have good evidence that comes from God, as this moral theologian says, uh, you would do wrong to positively deny Fatima and Our Lady of Guadalupe and Akita, Japan. When the church says, mm-hmm. yep, Our Lady appeared, something supernatural took place. Um, also, Father Antonio Royo Marin, another moral theologian back in 1954, he says, if after a prudent judgment it is determined that a given revelation is authentic, the one who has received the revelation should accept it in the spirit of faith. It is disputed among the theologians whether this act of faith is an act of divine faith. It seems to us that it is. Moreover, if a private revelation contains a message for others and it has been accepted as an authentic revelation, those persons have an obligation to accept the truth of the revelation and act upon it. So in that definition, that's the definition of Jonah the prophet right there. He was given a private revelation of God, but that private revelation, God said, go public. And so that was part of the message. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Father Van Hoort, dogmatic theologian back in 1961, one year before Vatican II started. He says, it seems indisputable that even a private revelation, at least if it is concerned with matters bearing some relationship to God as our goal, can be believed by the same virtue of faith by which, a, by which we believe a truth publicly revealed in other words what's he saying public revelation matthew mark luke john the god the the, mm-hmm. the, the 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 73 books of scripture that's public revelation you have to believe that as a catholic private revelation mm-hmm. you don't have to believe it as a catholic you're not bound to believe it to get to heaven that's what he's saying here well, well yeah let me just finish that granting that the divine yeah. origin of the revelation can be established with certainty the question arises whether such revelations not not only can be believed, but ought to be believed. Briefly, we think the answer is this. Such a revelation ought to be believed both by the one who receives it and, and by those for whom it is destined. The rest of the faithful cannot outright deny it without some sort of sin. So as a Catholic, once the church says that, yeah, Our Lady appeared here and gave this message, you should believe it. Why? Because the church is our mother. And you, you, you stand upon the rock, which is, which is Christ and his church, and they're saying something miraculous happened here. You should believe it. So you'd be a fool not to believe it. Though, I'm saying, if you're a pagan that just converts to the Catholic faith, the last moment of your life, you're in a hospital bed, a priest comes, you, you ask for a Catholic priest, you don't know anything about any private revelations and the priest reads to you you know got the the gospel of john chapter three the whole thing uh then baptizes you uh gives you the anointing of the first confession your first reconciliation holy holy viaticum extreme unction 
being you, but you've never heard anything about Fatima or Our Lady Guadalupe. You can die and go to heaven because you've received and accepted the public revelation of the church, which is essentially Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and the Father sent him to the world to die for your sins, and you've accepted that in your deathbed, and you receive the sacraments, and you're on your way home. Now, when you get to heaven, mm. you're going to hear about, hey, did you know I sent my mother to planet Earth, you know, to this country on this year and that year? You'll know all those things, but you didn't need to know that at your deathbed if you were a pagan converting to the Catholic faith in order to be saved. That's, that's what I'm saying about private revelation. Is it, what it, what it, it's good to know these things because it's a particular message for a particular culture, for a particular point in time, which all it does, it repeats the gospel message. All Mary's messages are a repetition of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen, brother. You know, the, the, the church conducts a rigorous litmus test to determine whether or not these things are from heaven and worthy of belief yeah. versus private revelation jess i think that people put themselves in a dangerous situation if it's something that mother church has not uh uh recognized as you well pointed out uh you should avoid uh uh, uh belief in those things uh why because by virtue of the fact that the person who had this private revelation has decided to go public that questions a lot of uh, motivations and things, and it opens people up to deception. I mean, within Protestantism, you can see these Messiah-like individuals that uh, David Koresh and uh, Waco, Texas, all of those things, uh, you open yourself up to deception. Yeah, and it's very clear. St. Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, He says, we also have to remember, he says that Satan can appear to us as an angel of light. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible, St. Paul also says to the Corinthians that Satan can deceive even the elect. And we know from the testimony of like people, giants like St. John Vianney, patron saint of parish priest, who used to levitate during mass. When he was at Orientum doing the consecration, he'd float off the air during the consecration and would stay off the air during the consecration. Saint Padre Pio, who would also levitate during Mass, both of the these whole these are the holiest priests in the history of Catholicism. Guess what? These priests had visions of holy people like saints, our Lord and our Lady, and as and they felt something was strange. They would start praying, and what happened? They went away in a puff of black smoke. They were demons that appeared to them as saints and even our Lord and our lady. And so this is why, again, uh, the church is cautious about approving apparitions. Uh, and, and not only that, Paul, there's also, there's also another component that we don't talk about. Some people are just mentally unstable. You and me saw that work in the L.A. County Jail. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, you, we have entire sections of the jail where you have prisoners that have lost their mind, Paul. And I, they, they lost their mind as a result of, again, the, the, you know, the lack of relationship with God, no sanctifying grace, no prayer life, and the, and, the, and the world has destroyed their intellect entirely. Yeah. And those guys see, they're always talking about things that they see. Remember when we were young cops there? They're always telling us, yeah. officer, you know, they're always talking to you about their apparitions and visions. And they were. They were, but they're demonic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. they were seeing things. I had no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jess, that, uh, 
I think you did a, a, a great job, as did the author here, of uh, explaining this phenomena, so to speak. Uh, today, we have the internet that allows us to communicate with lots of people in many different places. And so the internet can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and as Catholics, uh, hopefully Catholics uh, living in a state of grace and that know their faith and are following the Lord Jesus Christ as a disciple, hopefully we're using this weapon, the internet, because it's a weapon. Hopefully we're using yeah. it uh, to advance the kingdom of Christ and to, and to save souls. Mm -hmm. Paul, we'll yeah. go right to the last segment of the, of the article where it talks about the coloration given to our faith by private revelations. It's the last section of the article. It's pretty long. It's worth reading. Dr. Kwasniewski goes, he quotes all the moral theologians, all these giants that, that talk about private revelations, St. Thomas Aquinas. He quotes the giants. But we'll go right to the end of it since we're coming you know, in, to the end of the show. It says, if parilimonial where our Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque is true and the church assures us it is, will not being a Christian after the 17th century bear the marks of devotion to the sacred heart? This kind of question could be posed for all of the most important of the private revelations that have marked the life of the church over the centuries. Thus, if Fatima is true, and we can know it to be so, is it not possible, and in fact highly likely, that being a Christian after 1917 is going to have a new inflection, a new accent that it didn't ha that it didn't have before? We'll stop right there. We'll pick it up. Mm. Jesus 911. Stick around, family. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Paul, in a sense, I don't blame a lot of Catholics that are kind of, they're weak in their faith or they're growing in their faith. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're starting to go through some kind of a conversion. I don't really blame them for, you know, uh, at, gra holding on to this apparition and that apparition, even the ones that are not approved. And I'll tell you why. There's two reasons why this phenomenon is happening. Number one is because faith in Jesus Christ's real presence is at an all-time low. It yep. hasn't been explained by, by, by Catholics very well in the last couple of decades. Ever since Vatican II, there's been a, a diminution in our understanding of the real presence of Jesus Christ. If Catholics really understood and believed, as, as you and I, we understand and believe this doctrine, which is the core doctrine of our faith, we would be having Holy Mass at, 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 at baseball stadiums and football stadiums. If people really yes. believe, think about that, Paul. If people believe that God, who comes, is coming down from heaven to planet Earth, in every Catholic Holy Mass... Again, I'm going to say it. We would be having uh, Holy Mass at baseball stadiums and football stadiums, at the Colosseum, if people really believe that. But there's been, a, again, this attack against the Holy Eucharist, and there's this, this uh, diminutive understanding with a lot of people. So what do they do? They go around 
and they want to hang on to something. And so they're so susceptible to believing anybody that says, listen to this podcast. This person's a mystic. Our lady talks mm. to this person. Listen to that podcast. Our lady talks to that person. Oh, this person, uh, our lady's appearing here. And, and, yeah, and also, you, this phenomenon also happens, Paul, and I'll give it over to you. It also happens because of our feckless, weak leaders. Most, mo- not all, most of the bishops are feckless, weak leaders. And what does that do, Paul? When the leadership is weak, because what's the, what's the, what's the, the success of the apostles supposed to do? Teacher, teacher, teach, govern, and sanctify. They're supposed to pound the word of God. They're supposed to teach the word of God. Catechizes. When that's not happening, Paul, guess what? The human soul that's in search for truth is going to be susceptible to be tossed around by any wind of doctrine that they hear. Mm-hmm. Mm, oh man, you put your finger on, you nailed it. You put your finger on so many things, Jess. When you talk about weak, feckless leaders, I think of hirelings. I think of people who are, listen, the Holy Eucharist, Jesus Christ, sacramentally present, body, blood, soul, and divinity is present. Jesus is present sacramentally uh, at the Catholic Church, at those tabernacles. And guess what? Dare I say, Jess, and if you truly believe that, you might go to that church and you might fall on your knees and receive him on your tongue. <laughs> if and, you understood. And, 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 and you'd be going as often as possible. <laughs> not, and you'd be just, going as, not just often on Sundays. as possible. Why? Because if we truly believe Christ is present in the Holy Eucharist, what witness do we give the world when we see these hireling priests denying people communion on their knees? Are you kidding me? Mm. Are you kidding me? I mean, people need to wake up and understand uh, uh, Jesus is really, he is sacramentally present, substantively present in the Holy Eucharist, Jess, uh, uh, in his divinity. Would that not make us fall to our knees and humbly uh, uh, receive our Lord? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and when people see you receiving like that, people are going to say, oh, that guy believes something pretty deep yeah. about. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, as, as the yeah. average person in the Novus Ordo Mass is walking up and, and, and sticking out their hand, uh, you know, like they're getting a cookie at a, at, at some type of, uh, you know, a Salvation Army handout or something. Yeah. When yeah. they see the per- have- people, yeah, got it. When they see people falling on their knees and 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 closing their eyes in piety with their hands, uh, you know, in front of their chest and in a prayer position, and their head leaning back, their eyes closed, and sticking out their tongue like a baby being fed by mom and dad, you know, Gerber. When people see that, they're saying, "Wow, that person believes mm-hmm. something that I I don't really believe like he does." Yeah. But, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but but at the but that witness is a good witness for others to see. Yes. Yeah. And here's something else, Paul. Now, don't get me wrong. As a Catholic, we as Catholics, of course, we believe that uh, that that our Lord, you know, that there are apparitions. They're all over the, the Old and New Testament. Angels appear. Uh, our Lord appears. 
you know, mm-hmm. there's argue, there's theological debate whether the, the, the pre-incarnate Christ appeared as an angel in several passages. I mean, the mm-hmm. Bible does tell us in 1 Thessalonians 5.20, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterance, utterances. Test everything, retain what is good, and refrain from every kind of evil. So the Catholic Church does use a litmus test, uh, and the church is very cautious when she finally approves and, and gives papal approbation for, uh, for, for an apparition. The church, you know, mm-hmm. kind of drags her feet, but for good reason, because the church doesn't want to be a laughingstock at the end of the day and approve something that was a complete, you know, fabrication or something that could have even been demonic. Uh, mm-hmm. Comments, Paul? Yeah. Uh, I like the picture here that as we understand that the church is our mother, when you learn things as a child and your parents teach you things, they teach you things so that you don't have to get exposed to things out there on the street, just having not heard it before, not being able to make the right decision. And so the church teaches us dogma, doctrine. We have this formation of conscience in order that when we can recognize uh, the good from the bad, because like you said, the, the, the test that we have is thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against thee, right? We have, we have, we're formed in the things of the faith. That's how, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, be focused on that, which is true. That way, when other things that seemingly seem right, you know, we have to remember sacred scripture just as a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. So you have to really, really understand and know God's word. Absolutely. As Mother Church teaches us. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, now let me, I'll, I'll tell you, and there's been several places around the world, not, not just Medjugorje, there's been other places where people have said, oh, the Blessed Mother is appearing here. And there's a big, uh, you know, it, it, it gets a lot of attention. A lot of people go there on pilgrimage. And a lot of people will say, wow, man, I had a, a conversion. I was living a reckless life and I went to this place and I had a conversion there. So I know it's real just because I had a conversion there. Let me mm. explain to you why this happens. Okay. Let's just take Medjugorje or, you know, you, you know, uh, Despite the fact that the local bishops there in succession, all the local bishops have stated officially as bishops that nothing supernatural happened there. The reason for so many interior conversions in a place like that is because the place attracts holy people. It's 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 like Niagara Falls of sanctifying grace and actual grace that's flowing throughout that location because so many people of faith, so many holy priests, they go there. People are repenting. People are praying. People are seeking God's face. There's confessions all over the place. There's adoration. There's reverent holy masses. And so the grace that flows around a place like that is probably so thick that you can cut it with a knife. Remember, our Lord says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Well, at places like Medjugorje and other places, Garabindal, and there's, there's thousands of, of faith-filled people praying. 
doing penance, fasting. Well, guess what? These are the ingredients that are going to bring about the powerful conversion of people that are saturating and soaking in this environment with an open heart. And so the atmosphere of those places, even though nothing supernatural has happened, according to the bishops, it's so ripe with holy people. It's so ripe with holy objects and holiness because of the sacraments that it's like a, it's like a hurricane, Paul, like a tornado that's uh, that's been created of sanctifying an actual grace. It's like the perfect storm for a sinful Catholic to go there and have a Saul of Tarsus road to Damascus moment, despite the fact that, as the bishops have said, that nothing supernatural has happened there. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like um, when you have somebody who's, who might be in error, and yet somehow they make it to heaven. Let's just say that they didn't make it there because of their error. They made it there in spite of the error. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so, 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 so if things are happening, if nothing supernatural has happened there, and yet the people are focused on what is good, what is holy, what is true, well, they're still going to reap some benefit from that. Yes. Yes. Their intentions are right. They're, they have the right intention, uh, you know, even though the bishops there in that diocese which have authority over that diocese or the they're the successor of the apostles they've all said in succession that nothing supernatural has happened there uh and paul but again i don't blame a lot of people for going to these places and i'll tell you why it's because again I'm a, we have such weak leadership right now amongst our bishops and there's been a whole generation or maybe even two generations of malformed priest and laity that people are more driven by their emotions and they want to believe the message of God of any purported mm -hmm. apparition or private revelation because people are looking for hope. But you know who our hope is? His name is Jesus Christ. That's what St. Paul Amen. says to Titus. Jesus is our hope. You want hope? <laughs> I like there's a sign at St. Bernadette's Church in Scottsdale here in the Diocese of Phoenix. Uh, in their marquee, it says, uh, right in front of the Adoration Chapel, there's a, there's a big sign that says, Jesus lives here. Guess what? Amen. Every Catholic church should put that. Jesus lives here. Yep. That's a wrap, Paul. Good stuff. Thank you, family. Good show, for, Joe. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, say a prayer for Ruben Nava. He's taking on a new job as the, uh, as the chaplain for the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. Uh, that, that's the right man for the job. That's the right man. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Engineer, who's up next? I don't know who's up next. Keep it here on... Dr. Sandoval, keep it here. See you next time. God bless you. Keep the faith.